today, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, is known as Gaudet Sunday. And it has been known as that since ancient times. It is named after the introit or short anthem sung at the beginning of the Mass in Roman Catholic churches on this Sunday, or at least while they were still using Latin. It reads, Gaudate in Domino Semper, Rejoice in the Lord always. And the second lessons appointed for this day almost invariably have the word rejoice in their first sentence. The custom started very early on. Lent, I'm sorry, Advent was a 40-day season in preparation for the celebration of the birth of our Lord. And it was very strict indeed. Fasting and repentance were required. Weekly confession. And after about four weeks of that, the people started to complain. So the church decided to let up a bit and to have a relief or Rejoice Sunday. It is commemorated in Roman Catholic, Anglican, and Lutheran churches with the pink candle. We also have the pink in our flowers today. And in some churches, they actually have pink vestments, which the clergy wear on only one day of the year. This is Rejoice Sunday. For me, it seems a strange Sunday to be called on to preach about rejoicing, to stand up and celebrate joyfully before you. As many of you know, Samantha, my dog of some 13 or 14 years, died on Wednesday. I've spent a lot of this week crying. She was my almost constant companion, a very, very sweet animal who loved to pray play. <laughs> she was a great friend, and I miss her dearly. I spent one day very angry, insisting that she return, which of course makes no sense at all would not have been fair to her. But that's where I was. And I learned a long, long time ago that when you're grieving, 
the most important thing to do is to be where you're at. When you're sad, be sad. Try not to get into blaming. When you feel like laughing, laugh. When you feel lonely, be lonely. And when you feel angry, be angry. It is the best way for us to heal. And as I walked through the week and knew I would need to preach on rejoicing, I began to think more deeply. And maybe this is not the worst thing that could happen. But for an opportunity, but an opportunity for me to talk about the difference between Christian joy, gratitude, and rejoicing, and how it is very, very different from happiness. Happiness depends on happenings, as the theologians are fond of saying. Something good, positive, desired, a fruitful outcome occurs in our lives, and we are happy. We find a job, working in the field for which we have a passion, a person we honor, even admire, says that they want to spend more time with us and deepen our relationship. Our child is born healthy, 10 fingers, 10 toes. Or later on, they get into the first choice college. Uncle Joe does not get drunk at our family's Christmas gathering, and we really have a wonderful time together. Those things happen, and we are happy about them. Christian joy, on the other hand, is a sense, an awareness, a state of being we can live in when things are happening against us, when things are not going well, when they are not going our way. <clears throat> Martin Smith, uh, one time superior, we might call him the abbot of the Episcopal Monastery in Cambridge, Massachusetts, the Cowley Fathers, tells a story. Martin was born in England and ended up going to Oxford University. While he was there, he began to study the ancient Celtic spirituality, and particularly the ancient Celtic wells, which were honored by those people and thought in times to bring about healing and blessing and renewal. 
Most of the ancient wells had been found by the time Martin was in university, and he visited them and observed how they had been enshrined. But there was one actually quite important well to the Celtic people that nobody had been able to find. So Martin said, I will spend some of my free time in the next year trying to find that well. His research led him to believe that it was on a particular farm, but neither he nor the farmer could locate the well. He just kept on going back again and again, looking for some sign. Finally, late one afternoon, he realized there was a wet spot at the side of the manure pile and that some water was trickling out from under the manure. So he borrowed a shovel and began digging. And he had to dig through a lot of manure, but eventually he found that spring, that well that had been and would be a blessing to so many. As Martin tells the story, he said it became for him one of those important metaphors in life. In life, you have to dig through a lot of manure, but it's worth it because underneath it, a blessing can be found. And that's exactly what St. Paul was trying to point out to the Thessalonians in writing today's second lesson. I would encourage you to look back at it. It starts with these words, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances. The Thessalonians were going through a very difficult, hard set of times. There was a lot of grumbling and anger in their community. St. Paul did not tell them to give thanks for all circumstances. There are things that happen to us that are life-threatening, dangerous, horrible, and horrendous. And we are not called to give thanks for them. But we are called to find, even as we go through them, what there is to be thankful and grateful for. These things happen to us, but because of our faith, because of the fact that we have this living God, this Jesus in our lives, as we go through those difficult times, we are never alone. We know Jesus walks 
beside us. Our hope is not that we will win all battles, that we will win those battles alone and accomplish all things. Our joy, our hope, is that eventually God will remain faithful and God will prevail. The example for me this week came when a number of people, having learned of Samantha's death, came up well-meaning people, compassionate, good people, came up and said to me, I'm sorry you've lost Samantha. I would never correct them at that moment because I know they're sharing their love and care, but I have not lost Samantha. I know exactly where she is. She went from my arms to the arms of God. There is a place for her in God's mercy, in God's heart. I cannot imagine believing in a God who would not honor a creature who so fully lived into the fidelity and love which our God claims as the center of our being. You know, when I receive communion, receive God's gift of God's self to me, I often experience also the presence of my Father. I know that my Father, after he died, went to live in the heart of God. I cannot imagine less for Samantha. Sometimes manure happens and we need to dig our way through it. Last Sunday evening, as most of you know well, there was a magnificent Christmas concert here in this sanctuary. Many of us had the opportunity to hear the Christmas story wonderfully read and told. We got to sing a number of magnificent carols and hymns. Scott and Ginny, our choir, the hired musicians, and our soloists all outdid themselves. In the congregation, one could hear folks laughing and a minute later crying. There were shouts of joy and appreciation. There was clapping. And there was also periods of magnificent silence. Silence. 
It was amazing. What I would contend that took place is that the music, the musicians enabled many of us to be broken open so we could experience the wonderful beauty that is our God and the incredible beauty that is the life when God's beloved ones work together in harmony to show appreciation for Jesus and for the life we have been given. That wonderful beauty, which is around us all the time, though we open, are often not aware of it, that beauty which is behind us and within us and in front of us always as we move through time, that beauty, our tapping into it, our awareness of it, enables us to rejoice even in those moments when we are covered by manure. At least that is our call in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.